Need a metabolic reset? Try HealRight micronutrient bars. When eaten daily for eight weeks, clinical studies showed HealRight can improve cholesterol, blood sugar, and weight management. And great tasting HealRight works without additional diet or lifestyle changes or the serious side effects of medications. Visit HealRight.com with code HEAL for 15% off. H E A L R I G H T.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I am Bryson Carver. It is great to have you in on this Friday before really the best weekend in the NFL, and that's the divisional round. Four games, I believe, as I said on yesterday's show, I think six of the eight teams I could genuinely see winning the Super Bowl with all due respect to the Giants and to the Jaguars. I would be genuinely stunned uh, if, if they came out. And, you know, with the Lombardi Trophy a few weeks from now. But it's the playoffs. Who knows? When nobody saw the Bengals get into the Super Bowl last year, and look how close they got to winning it all. So that's what's great about the divisional round. We had an amazing divisional round a year ago. Hopefully we can come at least half. Hopefully it's half as good this year, because if it is, then we're in for some good matchups. I'll obviously predict those four matchups at the end of today's show. Barry Grant Jr. will be joining right before that uh, to talk all the matchups uh, and also to talk, again, trying to keep Lakers talk at a minimum. But he's a big LeBron fan. He's a big Lakers fan, and we'll certainly talk about both uh, and what the Lakers could do to try and surround LeBron with the uh, with the talent to try and compete for titles. Because you know, I don't know LeBron James personally, but I do know he doesn't care an awful lot for being a 13th in the West. Uh, I think he he'd be much happier if the Lakers were higher in this in the standings. I'll also discuss a Jim Harbaugh story that is just laughable on the part of the NCAA. I'll talk about that later in the show. But first, I did want to start with that game last night that really lived up to the hype. My Golden State Warriors going to Boston to play the Boston Celtics. Uh, they lost, My Warriors lost 121-118 in overtime. The game was crazy back and forth. Golden State took the lead in the second quarter, didn't give it up until overtime, but the game was tight all throughout. Uh, and to Boston's credit, they made a big fourth quarter run and pulled it out in the end in overtime with a big run, mostly led by Jason Tatum and some by Jalen Brown, who had a solid fourth quarter in overtime. But I know there's a lot of panic, and this happens. Mostly in the NFL because there's more of a sense of urgency, but you you see it sometimes in the NBA with these big nationally televised games. You know, it's Golden State on the East Coast. Not a whole lot of people here on the East Coast get to see Golden State because they're playing at 10 o'clock at night. You know, people people got jobs, people got work, people got places uh, to be. But in this case, they go to Boston, the team they beat in the finals on that very court just seven months ago and lost to the Celtics. Here was my takeaway from this game. So... I know a lot of folks want me to be uh, 
down about my Golden State Warriors because of the loss, because of the fact that it dropped them to 22 and 23. And I'll admit, before the season, if you'd have told me that my dubs would be a game under 500 on January 20th, I'd have said, you're lying. I'd have said, no, 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 you're, you're thinking about like 2021 when Clay was down. Or some of those years, like under Mark Jackson, before the Warriors were really a, a legitimate title contending team. Like one of those years. Or a down year in the 70s or something. No, it's 2023 and they're a game below 500. Here's my takeaway. So, the narrative, the notion is, and I don't totally disagree with it, is that Boston is the best team in the NBA. They're dominant defensively. They're great offensively. They've got an MVP candidate in Jason Tatum. They've got a guy on Jalen Brown who's absolutely going to be an all-star this year. They've got a great front court tandem. Two big guys, Al Horford and Robert Williams. They've got a tremendous bench led by Malcolm Brogdon. Oh, no, yeah, they, they, they have last year's Defensive Player of the Year in Marcus Smart. So they're a good basketball team. There's no question about it. And they just played in the finals just seven months ago, as I mentioned. Just a month ago, Golden State played Boston at home and thumped them. They come to Boston. Not playing their best basketball. Being a bad road team. They've only won five games in the road this season. And that sucker went to overtime and literally came down to the last shot. Literally came down to the last shot. This is despite the fact that Jordan Poole, and I, guys, I love Jordan Poole. He's driving me crazy this season with the turnovers. He averaged 2.9 turnovers last year. Now he's averaging 4.1. He's driving me nuts with the turnovers. But this is despite Jordan Poole scoring 24 points. Yeah, but it took him 25 shots to get there, and he was 2 for 10 from 3. This is despite Andrew Wiggins being basically inept on the offensive side of the floor. This is despite Klay Thompson getting into foul trouble, and this is despite getting literally no production from the bench. And they took the best team in the NBA to overtime? Uh, if nothing else, folks, I think I'm seeing strides here. Now, I don't believe in moral victories, but I do think you can take Good things from losses and bad things from wins. Bad habits. Two things can be true in that regard. And when I looked at my Warriors last night, when that game was over, I was like, obviously disappointed at the loss, but I wasn't thinking, oh, crap, man. We, we really are screwed. If that had been Houston, I'd have been a little concerned. Like, oh, crap. We, Houston's the worst team in the NBA, and they, hang on a minute. They, 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 they came back on us in the fourth quarter. I'm not concerned at all. Not to mention, folks, to sort of repeat and take the saying from what John Morant said. Remember I talked about in the show a few weeks ago when John Morant was talking about, I ain't worried about nobody in the West. And I was like, uh, Ja, you've never advanced past the second round. And it's the basically the same team from last year, minus Kyle Anderson. Getting better, yes. Dylan Brooks has had an excellent year, as has Steven Adams, as has John Moran, obviously. Same team last year that lost to Golden State. And again, I look at the Western Conference. The teams that are at the top of the West, they're kids. Denver's led by the Joker and Jamal Murray. They're, they're legitimate threats coming out of the West. I totally believe in Denver. I believed in Denver before the season. Memphis, young. Sacramento, young and not a title contender. New Orleans, young. Dallas, young. Utah, young. The teams that I thought would be in Golden State's way, aside from Denver and Memphis, the Clippers, 
cannot get healthy, which are we all that surprised? Paul George and Kawhi are never healthy. This is why the Clippers getting bounced in the first round before the season. And the Suns, who I didn't believe in the Suns either, they've been worse than even I thought. So if you're Golden State, seeding doesn't matter. Who in the Western Conference today scares Golden State? Now, if Golden State was in the Eastern Conference, that's a different story. Milwaukee's legit. Boston's obviously legit. Philly, I don't think, is a title contender, but they're, listen, they, they're they a team. They're, they're not a, someone you want to screw around with in the postseason. Miami's getting their act together. Cleveland's dangerous. Brooklyn, why I don't think is, is a threat to get past round one or get, get past round two. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, you don't, you're not looking forward to that matchup by any stretch of the imagination. Jacques Vaughn's done a much better job than Steve Nash did. Now, Wes, it's kind of like the NFC and the NFL. A lot of unproven teams. Denver's gone to the Western Conference Finals, so I'll give them that. Memphis has never advanced past round two. Sacramento hasn't been to the playoffs since I was two, three years old. New Orleans hasn't won a playoff series since Anthony Davis was there. Dallas, while they got to the Western Conference Finals last year, are completely Luka Doncic-reliant, and it's not a style that wins you championships. Kobe Bryant, the late great Kobe Bryant would have told you that. Said that when James Harden was winning his MVP award back in 2018. Same situation with Luka. And Utah, while they are much better than we thought they'd be this season, we thought they'd be in the lottery for Victor Wimbiama. They're better than we thought they'd be with with uh, uh, Laurie Markkinen playing the way he's playing. But nobody thinks of Utah as a title contender. Again, as a Warriors fan, why would I be concerned? Seeding is going to be irrelevant. Golden State is going to catch their stride after the All-Star break. Again, I look at Golden State's schedule moving forward. They play Cleveland tonight. They're going to lose because Steph, Clay, and Draymond, and maybe Wiggins are all out. I haven't checked if Wiggins. Then they got Brooklyn, Memphis. They'll be up for that game. Remember, they beat Memphis on Christmas without Steph. Uh, Raptors, Thunder. Obviously, we know the Thunder are terrible. Wolves, Nuggets, Mavs. Thunder again. Blazers, Lakers, uh, Wizards, Clippers. And then the All-Star break. Get a week off. Get healthy, get your mind right, and get ready to go into a postseason or get hot going into the postseason for a big-time run. Again, seeding in the NBA, heck, in the NFL, I would argue, but even in the NBA is not near as, as impactful as you might think. Remember, the last two NBA champions, the Bucs and the Warriors, were both the three seed in their respective conferences. So when we talk about, oh, you got to get home court advantage, do you? You don't get like a buy or anything like you do in the NFL if you get the one seed. You get home court advantage, and that's great, especially Golden State is a great home team. But since Steve Kirby became the Warriors head coach, they've won at least one road game in every single playoff series. And when you couple that with how good they've been at home, basically just tell Golden State, hey, just get one on the road, do what you've been doing all season at home, and you're gravy, you advance. It's as simple as that. So I'm not concerned about my Warriors whatsoever. Again, that whole betting against the Warriors thing is kind of like betting against the Patriots when they had Tom Brady. It's not something I would advise you to do. And the same situation applies with Golden State. No question about it. Got some comments here. Patrick Brown, let the chaos, playing off the name of his show, the Chaotic Sports Podcast, let the chaos of the NFL Divisional Playoff Round begin. Absolutely, Patrick. He says about this topic, LA Clippers aren't even remotely close to being healthy. Denver, to me, is the most complete team, in my humble opinion. Memphis, Dallas, and New Orleans are jammed in a crowded West. I do agree. Listen, Denver, Denver's no joke. And I said this year, 
Watch out for, for the Nuggets once they get Jamal Murray back. The addition of KCP has been unbelievable. Obviously getting guys like Michael Porter Jr. back. Aaron Gordon's had a good year. Jokic, you know what's the sad thing about Jokic? Because I've ranted so many times in the show about how Jokic didn't deserve the last two MVPs, and I still stand 10, 12 toes down on that opinion. What sucks about it is I actually think he has a shot to win MVP this year, and I wouldn't hate it. To me, he's been better this year than the last two. Uh, the last two is bogus. He won MVP. This year, I wouldn't have an issue with it. The problem that I would have is you're telling me Nikola Jokic is the first three-time MVP or three consecutive-time MVP since Larry Bird. That's got to be reserved for a guy in the future like a Giannis or a Luka. Or so if, if a Victor Wimbiama is what we think he is, something like him down the road. Like, not Jokic. Great player, but not Larry Bird. Like, that's what I'm saying. Patrick says, Golden State is in a solid spot with plenty of room for improvement before the All-Star break. Absolutely. And again, the thing, I, I have a hard time believing that Bob Myers, the general manager, won't make a move before the deadline. Because here's the thing, where Bob Myers is coming from. He knows this is in all likelihood Draymond's last season as a Warrior, which makes me sad as a Dubs fan and a Draymond Green fan, but that's that's just the reality of what it is. You, Steph and Clay, they're untouchable. We understand that, uh, as is Andrew Wiggins. So you sit back, you think, you're like, okay, our bench stinks. It's, it's, it's been up and down all season. Anthony Lamb's been fine. Uh, Ty Jerome's had his moments, but the real rocks off the bench have been Jordan Poole, although it looks like he's going to be in the starting lineup moving forward, and Dante DiVincenzo was a great pickup in free agency. Outside of that, they have got to shore up their bench. they got to add some veterans. So I could see them going out and getting a Jakob Pertl from the San Antonio Spurs or getting an Alex Caruso from the Chicago Bulls to add defense, to add veteran leadership uh, to a team that's had a lot of it in recent years. We know Andre Godala. While I love Andre, I've got his book behind me. You can't really see it in the frame there, but it's right there. Uh, is, you know, he's, he is 37, 38 years old in year 19, and he's not exactly aging like LeBron James, although who is? Patrick says, is Denver, if Denver doesn't break through this year, it would be a season of disappointment. Agreed. This is the best team to me, Patrick, that they've had since the – the closest they got was 2020 in the bubble when they lost to the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. This team, to me, is better than that team, as good as that team was. Now, moving on to college football, and we'll get to a lot of NFL talk once Barry uh, hops on, and we'll, you know, I'll do my predictions there at the end of the show. <laughs> There's a story on Jim Harbaugh. And you guys know I really like Jim Harbaugh. I think... He's almost this era's Jimmy Johnson without the rings. And I say that because he's the only modern-day college football coach who's been successful in the NFL. Cliff Kingsbury's been a disaster. Nick Saban didn't really work. Spurrier was a disaster. Lane Kiffin was a disaster. We just saw Urban Meyer was a disaster, as was Matt Rule. Like, the path to getting back to being relevant as a franchise is not to hire a college coach. For the 49ers, that was not the case with Jim Harbaugh. He got to three straight NFC Championship games, missed the playoffs his fourth year, and you know, obviously went to Michigan. But there's an investigation by the NCAA. And I swear, Mark Emmert must like pissing people like me off, I, I think. Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA. So Jim Harbaugh is under investigation. This is according to the DailyMail.com. He is under investigation by the NCAA for an alleged violation that occurred after he, quote, bought a recruit a hamburger 
at a local restaurant and was dishonest when the NCAA found the receipt. Now, I'm not going to defend Jim Harbaugh lying about it. And if they find out 100% that he did lie about it, then he, it could lead to a multiple-game suspension, which would obviously be dev- devastating for Michigan in their hopes of possibly getting back to the college football playoff next year. And Michigan's obviously built a ton of momentum getting to the playoff twice and winning the last two Big Ten title games. But this is the kind of, you know what, that bothers me about the NCAA. One of the earliest shows on Carving It Up involved a topic that I did revolving two college athletes. And it happened almost in a week span. Chase Young of the Ohio State Buckeyes, now with the Washington Commanders, who's a great pass rusher. At Ohio State, when the NCAA found out that he had bought tickets for his girlfriend to fly to Pasadena to go see Chase Young to play the previous season in the Rose Bowl, when the NCAA found that out, they docked him with a two-game suspension. When James Wiseman, now of the Golden State Warriors, formerly at Memphis, when, with Penny Hardaway as the head coach. When the NCAA found out that Penny Hardaway, and most and, and more specifically the, the Memphis Boosters, had paid for James Wiseman's family to move close to him in Memphis, they suspended James Wiseman for, I, I can't remember how long, it was, it was a long suspension. James Wiseman was like, okay, screw it. I'm not playing college basketball this year. I'm just going to go and get ready for the NBA. This is ridiculous. Now Jim Arbaugh. Because... Because on a recruiting trip, kid was hungry. I I don't know the story. I'm sure we'll learn more as this story develops over the coming weeks and months. Kid's probably hungry. Uh, Jim's like, okay, let's 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 go. You know, let's get you something to eat locally. You know, it's an opportunity to to show like, hey, you know, he's one of our local spots here in Ann Arbor. I assume that's where the restaurant was because that's where Michigan's campus is. And. uh, Jim Harbaugh may get a multi-game suspension for this. This is not a Jim Harbaugh, keep in mind, that is a guy who who is known for being shady. There are plenty of coaches, we won't name names, but you know who they are, that are like, oh gosh, okay, they're in trouble again. Okay, what else is in the news? Jim Harbaugh, we know him for being a fiery, a little aloof, but we don't know Jim Harbaugh as a guy like, oh gosh, he, he... he kind of pushes the envelope a lot. Envelope a lot. He's, he's constantly in trouble with the NCAA or with Michigan or back at Stanford when he was uh, the head coach there or with the 49ers. That's not really his brand. That's not his MO. And to look into him now, considering the fact that we now have NIL, and the, according to the report, the hamburger situation, this was in 2021. Now, I don't know if this was early 2021. My guess is it probably was considering NIL came in uh, due to the Supreme Court's ruling in the middle of the year, around June, July, somewhere around that time. And Jim can't spend a couple bucks to get the kid a bite to eat. This is how far the NCAA has gone. We won't even talk about robbing, and that's what it was, robbing Reggie Bush of his Heisman Trophy because of Recruiting violations, which also known as USC and Reggie Bush being involved to try and get him to USC to make money off of his on-field accomplishments. We won't even go there. But the lack of self-awareness that they have in instances like this, it, it drives me nuts. Anytime there's any, there's a penny involved, the NCAA is all over it. 
Want to punish coaches? Want to punish players, boosters? It's a joke. It's ridiculous. And it's why ultimately, it's what, there's many reasons, but it's ultimately why at the end of the day, I far, far prefer pro sports over college sports. I love college sports. Love, love college football. You guys know I'm a diehard Tennessee Vols fan. Uh, the same could be said about my fandom of college basketball. March Madness is to me the best sporting event of the year, not named the Super Bowl. I even like the College World Series, both in baseball and in softball. But come on, folks. This is, this is petty. This is ridiculous, Sam, but you know, when you think about it, it's classic NCAA. This is kind of their brand. This is kind of what they do. It's a shame. Uh, let's see. Patrick Brown says, when Barry is on here shortly, what are y'all's thoughts on Coach Prime's recruiting thus far? How well will he do in his first season at Colorado? Well, before I get to your uh, – I'll ask Barry that question as soon as he gets on here, Patrick. But when <laughs> – when you get last year's number one corner, Travis Hunter, who was a wide receiver last year at Jackson State, obviously, and now you get this year's the 2023 number one corner out of high school, which, I mean, is there anybody that's going to be able to recruit that position better than Prime? I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> he's the greatest corner of all time. Like, if there's anybody you want to learn from, it's him. Uh, how do I think he'll fare at Colorado? I think, I mean, listen, it'll be a struggle out the gate. The Pac-12, quietly, folks, the Pac-12 is the second or third best conference in college football. We know the SEC's king. I'll give the Big Ten the advantage just because they put two teams in the playoff with Michigan and Ohio State. But USC uh, had a great season last year. Uh, Oregon. Oregon State is all of a sudden kind of relevant. So, like, all these programs in the Pac-12 have, have really, you know, UCLA with Chip Kelly has, has been relevant this year. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it'll be a struggle out the gates. It, listen, it takes time to get your recruits in, but I'd anticipate by year two, Patrick, I don't think it'll be a team that'll compete for the Pac-12 title because USC's a couple steps ahead with Lincoln Riley coming in. I see your second comment about uh, with, with Barry being a USC fan, how well will the Trojans fare in year two into Lincoln Riley? I think USC is going to make the playoff next year because I said I said that when Lincoln Riley was hired. I said year two he's going to make the playoff. I knew he'd be good year one. I didn't think he'd be 13, uh, eleven and three good, but listen, it, it, it's the thing they they got to fix that defense though, and that's that's always been Lincoln Riley's bugaboo. They have got to fix the defense. That's something where Prime is going to specialize without a shadow of a doubt. And uh, but I do think by year two, Patrick Colorado will be a team and a seven eight win team. What he did recruiting at Jackson State. And Colorado, people forget this. Colorado is a once-proud program. They, they've kind of been the sleeping giant over the last 25 years. I mean, last year, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, what they didn't they win like one game or two games? I mean, they, they, they were terrible. Obviously, they needed a, a change of head coach. So to bring Prime in, yeah, good for them. It's And good, good for Prime. I, I think he's going to do a phenomenal job there. Uh you can already tell he's changed the culture quickly, and that's that's ultimately what the 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 biggest job of a of a college head coach is to do is to change the culture of the program, and that's what Deion Sanders is going to do, uh, and, and already has done. You, know, you saw his first his first meeting with the team, and he was still the head coach at Jackson State at this time, but he came to Colorado and spoke to the team, and essentially what he said was, "Yup." I've got reinforcements coming in that's going to take y'all's jobs. So either 
stay here and buy into my culture or get get out. My God, we don't want you here. That's essentially what he said. Obviously, he brought Shadur Sanders, um, his son, the quarterback uh, from Jackson State, who's who had a phenomenal year uh, in 2022, and I think he's going to do a good job in 2023. I'll say this. Here's what I'll say. What? Well, let me check Colorado's schedule now. That I think about it. that's actually a good, a good topic. Hold on, let me let me find. Let's see, Colorado, Colorado Buffalo's football schedule. Okay, so here's who they got. Colorado's got. Hold on. Okay, I can't pull up their 2023 schedule for some reason. Okay, so they open next year with TCU. Wow, that's that's no joke there. They got TCU, Nebraska, CSU, Oregon, USC, Arizona State, Stanford, UCLA, Oregon State, uh, Arizona, Washington State, Utah. I don't know if it's a bowl team, but it's a team I think that could compete. Five wins, maybe. I don't know, Utah, that, you think Utah is going to be due for a great year, as is USC, UCLA, and the Pac-12, y'all, Pac-12 is back. There's no question about it. Um, but by year two, Colorado State, make no mistake about it, will be, we'll be back in the mix. Now, coming on the show now is a man that is the co-host of the Grid Podcast Network, is a, a good friend of mine. He is uh, somebody that, while I would not consider, and we'll get to his Lakers a little later on, he's not somebody I consider a Warriors hater by any stretch of the imagination. He doesn't like him, but I wouldn't call him a hater. He is, though, without a shadow of a doubt, a Dak Prescott hater. And we're going to discuss that pretty soon. Would you please welcome to the show... Barry Grant Jr., of the All Even Podcast is joining Carving Up Live. Barry, what's up, my man? Can you hear me? Am I low? Uh, no, we can hear you pretty good. You're, you, it sounds like the, the audio is coming from a computer instead of your mic. Okay, because I'm having some mic issues, so that's why I was asking. So well, if we, it's coming from the computer, then we can just move this. Yeah, yeah, we got we got you. So uh, Patrick had a question before we get to what we we're going to talk about today. Uh he said, when Barry hops on here shortly, what are y'all's thoughts on Coach Prime's hiring uh, or Coach Prime's recruiting thus far? How well will he do in his first season at Colorado? What do you think, Barry? He's going to win. <laughs> he, that's what he does. That's what Primetime does. That's what Deion Sanders does. There's never been a more confident man to walk the planet than Deion Sanders. He knows what he's capable of doing. He understands that he's one of the best recruiters, if not the best recruiter in college, in college football. Um, he knows how to speak to kids. He knows how to speak to parents. He knows how to get kids to buy in. The fact that he's flipped two cornerbacks in two classes. Oh. It, name another recruiter that can do that. I can't. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to be rooting for him. Obviously, I'm a big USC fan. Uh, I'm going to be rooting for him, though, because they're still in the Pac-12 next year. You know, at the next season, USC moves to the Big Ten. But, um, you know, I, I'm definitely going to be rooting for both teams going forward. I, I love Prime. No question. I mean, the, can, you, can you think of a better coach if you're a, a young DB that you want to be coached by other than, you know, the greatest who ever did it at that position? I mean, it's – Yeah, this is why if you're a DB, that's where you need to be going. 100%. 100%. Now, to, to our questions. So, uh, you're a big Dallas Cowboys fan. Uh, they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the wild card game Monday. And – uh I think it's safe to say, I think even you would agree with this, that Dak Prescott played the, the best game of his career. 
Uh, pass rating was in the 140s. QBRs in the upper 90s. Three yards, five touchdowns. What's that? 97 QBR. 97 from zero to 100. So what was your takeaway on the Cowboys' performance against Tampa, and what did you see from, from Dak Prescott that you liked? I mean, listen, you can't take away from what Dak did. He had a phenomenal game. I've always told you about Dak Prescott that I want to see that game where he puts everything together. I don't care about, um, you know, stat padding stats when you're down 20 and then you get 450 yards and four touchdowns. I need to see you get those yards when it matters. And Dak Prescott did exactly what he had to do. He used his legs to to escape pressure, to get first downs. We haven't seen that in a few seasons from him. Um, you know, he was accurate for the most part of the, you know, the, the entire night. He looked confident. He looked poised. I was on, I was on CanFan uh, podcast last yeah. week, Wednesday, and, you know, shouts to them and, and asked me a question. He said, what is going to be the key to victory for the Dallas Cowboys? I said, Dak Prescott. And he was like, well, what do you mean about that, that Prescott? I said, composure. If he shows composure, if he if he shows the ability to be able to make passes and look confident doing it, Dallas will have no problem beating Tampa Bay because they're better than Tampa Bay in every facet of the game. So if you get a confident, composed quarterback, you're going to win, and that's exactly what we saw on Monday. Yeah, I thought he played, you know, as, as well as you could have possibly hoped for. And the thing that I talked about the last few weeks, and I definitely talked about it when I had, uh, when he had, in my view, probably the worst game of his career against Washington. Uh, he, was, he was terrible by any stretch of the imagination that you could have possibly thought of. But I said the issue with Dak, and obviously the picks were uh, were a topic of discussion. The pick six to Kendall Forward might have been his worst of the year. Um, and I said the issue with Dak is not things that, he, that are out of his control. Uh, do is Does the receiving core have – Leave much to be desired aside from CeeDee Lamb. Yes, I think they're going to target a receiver in this upcoming draft. Uh, Jalen Hyde out of Tennessee is, is, is available. Just throwing that out there. But I do think that this is a, a, a guy that you know we've seen. That playoff game against Green Bay in 2016, Seattle and, and the Rams all played well. The Niners last year, and you know, fortunately for, for the Cowboys, they play the Niners on Sunday. What's, what's sort of your thoughts going to that one? Because to me, Barry... <laughs> literally the only advantage Dallas has in this game is at quarterback everywhere else to me, the Niners are better. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Niners are the better football team, but does it really come down to that? Most times, most times it comes down to the quarterback play. We we've seen teams that have been better top to bottom than other teams. And then the quarterback comes out there and makes things happen. So Dak Prescott, all he has to do is focus on what he needs to focus on, be aggressive, uh, use his legs the same way he used it against Tampa Bay. Try to try to get first downs. Try to fight for it. Don't don't force things too crazy. And you know, for them and, and for Dallas, they need to utilize Tony Pollard just like how yes. CMC is going to get utilized with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Tony Pollard has more yards, I think, total yards in the CMC this year. He's his yards per carry. Everything kind of slants his way. I think I'm not saying that he's a better running back than Christian McCaffrey, but Tony Pollard is more explosive than Christian McCaffrey at this point in his career. So they need to use Tony Pollard and use him a lot. And I think that you can be able to keep that that defense off balance if you do that. So we'll see. We, we need another clean game from Dak Prescott. You know, we were talking, you know, before your show that. Listen, I've seen a perfect playoff run by Joe Flacco. I've seen 
Matt Stafford have a marvelous playoff run last season to win a Super Bowl. I've seen plenty of other quarterbacks do that. Dak Prescott has the ability to do that. Dak Prescott has the chance to do what they did. You know, I would, I'm never going to put Dak Prescott in my top five. I won't do it. I, it's very hard to even put him in the top 10 for me personally, but he has a chance to do what a lot of other quarterbacks in his position have not been able to do. And that's get to a Super Bowl on the back of his play alone. He can be able to do that, play a perfect game, play perfect playoffs and get this Dallas Cowboys team to the Super Bowl. Because realistically, if you look at it, this is probably one of their better chances to possibly get to a Super Bowl. If they get past San Francisco, and I, I don't know who's going to win that game between the Giants and the Eagles. I'm not going to say the Eagles are going to win flat out because we we know. I'm with you. I'm with you. But. We, know, we know, Bryson, how this game works, man. And if that's going to be the conference championship game, I give Dallas a, a huge chance to beat whoever um, wins that game. So, you know, this is this is his moment. This is Dak Prescott's moment for the people that have said that, you know, he's not good enough. Blah, blah, blah. This is his chance to be able to shut those people up for the people that support him. This is his chance to be able to make those people proud and happy. So it's it's on Dak Prescott's shoulders. It really is. No, and, and they they cannot beat San Francisco unless he plays well. I, I yeah. don't think it's the situation where uh, you know if if they in the event that they play the Giants, let's just say that I don't think Dak has to be amazing for them to beat the Giants. I, yeah. I really don't. Um, but you know, it's sort of to your point. And I, I last Cowboys question because I want to talk about a guy that we've been we both been pretty critical of, and that's Mike McCarthy. When you look and when you actually step back for a moment and, and look at what he's done the last three years. So he didn't have Dak, but all but five games that first year. They were the one six games, they weren't very good. Year two, they double their wins, but they have a massive disappointment in the playoffs against San Francisco. And the two things that we always criticize Mike McCarthy were for is penalties and clock management. It looks like he's fixed both this year. They only had two penalties against Tampa, and now you win a playoff game off of another 12 win season. Is it time we start giving Mike McCarthy respect he, that he deserves? Because they win this game, Barry. He'll he'll have beaten Kyle Shanahan and gotten to an NFC Championship game. You're, you're going to have to start having some questions like, you know, is is he the dude long-term for for this Cowboys team to possibly make make some runs in the future? Uh, he would really have to shock me in regards to getting this team prepared and ready to play a football game. I mean, let, let's be honest. Dak played a wonderful, phenomenal, tremendous, historic game on Monday night. But they played a team that limped it to the playoffs. They played a bad team. Um, I want to see how they come out on Sunday and play against the 49ers. Because if they come out like they did last season and limp out and don't look right. prepared and have a whole bunch of penalty problems and, and look undisciplined, this game is going to get over, is, is, is going to get ugly quick. So I want to see if they're prepared to play. And if they're if they if they are and they win, I mean, how can you not how can you not give the guy credit? You know, he's the one manning the ship. Uh, he has a Super Bowl under his record. A lot of people don't give him credit for that because he had Aaron Rodgers. But at the end of the day, they won all road games getting to the Super Bowl that year. Yep. So you know, you have to you have to give a guy credit, um, uh, no matter who the quarterback is, if they're an all time great or not. So we'll see. You know, Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They have a lot riding on their legacy here. Um, so, so we'll see. They have to exercise those demons that they, you know, that they uh, faced last year. Uh, you know, they, they got railroaded in that game last year. They got outcoached by every facet of the game. They were outplayed. Dak Prescott didn't look great. Team didn't look great. They have a chance to be, to, to be able to redeem themselves as head coach and quarterback. So we'll see. Agreed. I don't think there's any coach-quarterback tandem that can change the narrative on them just with one win this weekend, yeah. especially considering it's the best team in football. In my eyes, just top to bottom, if you look at the roster, Patrick Brown agrees. He says, Niners defense will be the toughest we faced all season. Philly was solid, but it's a different animal matching up against arguably the best front in football who get home to the quarterback. And they get home to the quarterback just rushing four. That's, that's the incredible part about it. And that's what they did last year. They barely blitzed and still were in the backfield. And Dak struggled to deliver the ball accurately most of that game. Now, moving on, I, I want to just slide in a little NBA topic. You're a big Lakers fan. Obviously, they're sitting at 13th in the West, but only a game and a half out of the play-in tournament. I talked about LeBron a little bit yesterday on the show. Um, is it fair to say what he's doing in year, if you look at last year, year 19, now year 20, being still, I think, undoubtedly a top five player in the NBA, a top five player in the world, is it fair to say what he's done the last two years, just on play, just on longevity, is at least, I know him as the GOAT, but at least for those who say Michael's the GOAT, at least inching him closer, or in your case, separating him that much more from Michael Jordan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, the guy is 38 years old. Does he look it? Heck no. No. Me and LeBron James are the same age around, right? He's a little older than me, right? But we ain't. We ain't the same in regards to what he's done, what he is physically, and what he what he can still be able to do physically. I mean, this guy looks like he can be able to play until he's in his forties. So you know, and even if he does slow down a bit, what he's going to slow down and score an average of what twenty and ten? You know, like, like yeah, what that's... what is what is going to be his slowdown that he's gonna he's gonna average double digit assists because he can't really. He's not really a great driver of the basketball anymore. He can just be able to sit there and just dish. Like, there's so – he's always going to be a relevant player. It just depends on, like he said, his mental. Is he going to be able to be mentally prepared to play? And and that that goes a long way for him. If he can be able to mentally check in, the physical is going to take care of itself because he's always going to keep his body in in, in great shape. So, you know, I, I, I don't – I don't think you're ever going to see another athlete, no matter what sport it is, that's going to be able to sustain his level of peak or prime as far as LeBron has done. It's it's unprecedented. It really is. You look at guys I talked about yesterday, year 20, I think Dirk, and it was either Dirk or uh, Kareem who had the, at, at the time, the record for the most points per game in year 20. It was like 15, 16. Right. <laughs> Bronze averaging 28, 8, and 7. Like, right. it's 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 not even. Now, for the Lakers, they're obviously, again, they're sitting at 13th in the West. They've had a lot of injuries. I got some good news, at least for two weeks, good news. Uh, Anthony Davis looks like he's going to return pretty soon. Uh what do they? What move do they make to get back to the side of contention next year? Because this year is pretty much a wash. It looks like. 
To be honest with you, I, I don't know what move is going to be a, a the the contending move because this team is going to look completely different next year as it's looked for the last four seasons, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Thomas Bryan is playing great basketball. He's going to be in on, on another team next year. Lonnie Walker, you know, he's still yeah. hurt. He's been playing great. He's going to be on another team next year. Austin Reeves has been playing great for the Lakers. He was our fine. He may end up being on somebody else's team next year because his contract is up, but they have, they have his, uh, they have his bird rights and he's restricted. So, um, and you can go down the list, uh, you know, Troy Brown Jr., same thing. So there's a lot of guys on this team that are not going to be here. So they're going to be right back in the same position that they were at the beginning of this season, that they have a new team, they have a new roster, they have to work it out. That's a problem. That is not a formula of success. I don't care what superstars you have. You can have LeBron, Kyrie, and AD. You're still going to need role players to be able to figure this out and understand their roles and be able to work into that offense. It's a problem. We're seeing that Darvin Ham is having issues late in games in regards to his execution. The guys are playing as hard as they can play, but they're not that talented right now. They have a lot of injuries. They, there's It's next man up, but there's not a lot of talent right now. So, you know, I I am actually impressed that there are only five games on the 500 at this point, honestly. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've, they've held their own. It's not like last year where they were getting smoked by bad teams yeah. toward the end of the they year. Play I mean, they, they, they play hard. They play hard. They, they, and that's, you know, that's probably the upgrade from uh, from Frank Vogel a year ago where it looks like he kind of lost the locker room. I, I, yeah. I was, I've been a Vogel defender, but it looks like they've improved uh, in, in that regard. Uh, Patrick Brown with the comment of the day. If AD is in street clothes, PG and Kawhi, uh, PG-13 Kawhi are matching pajama sets in the basement. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's 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 looks like because the Clippers. You and I never bought into the Clippers this season. They're gonna be out in round one. I will. Uh, I will never buy into the Clippers, Bryson. Never. never. If they, even, even if they go back in time, get like Michael Jordan, and Shaq. They can go back and get <laughs> Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in his prime. Something will happen, and they still won't win. They still won't win. It's their brand. That's what they do. Uh, he Patrick says Patrick package eighty in a first round for Zach Levine. I, I don't think that'd be a good trade for the Lakers. That's a, that's a bad trade. No, I've I've never been a Zach Levine guy. He's a phenomenal offensive talent, but defensively he's a liability, uh, and I'm, I'm not sure he plays great team basketball uh, in the system. Here's the thing, Bryson, and I'm starting to come around on this when it comes to AD. This guy may have some of the worst luck you can possibly have as an athlete. He does. He's not having injuries where it's a hamstring or it's a shoulder. He's having these freak jumping off of one foot, a sprain. He comes down on somebody's foot last year and his ankle touches the floor. There's just certain things that just happens to this kid that normally really doesn't happen. So it's like I feel bad for him. He's hurt the best available the best abilities availability, but they're freak accidents. They really are. Right. And he just has the worst luck. He really does. Yeah, that's what it's uh, appear to be, and I always say AD doesn't stand for Anthony Davis. It stands for always down. Yeah, uh, that's that, that's often what it what it is. Whether it's his fault or not, it's just it's just bad luck, man. It really is. Shifting back to the NFL, I don't think there's any question that the most compelling quarterback matchup is Burrow versus Allen, Bengals versus Bills on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, th- that's a fascinating one. That that's probably the game where I I went back and forth the most on on who to pick. Um, 
First of all, because I, I think Burrow to me is the second best in the league behind Mahomes. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's more careful with the football. The upside isn't what it is with Josh Allen. Uh, but I think in terms of going to a, a franchise that was in the dumpster uh, for the better part of the last 25, 30 years and, and, and lifting it to a Super Bowl appearance last year and another great year uh, this season. First of all, who would you favor in the quarterback matchup? Who would you take between Burrow and Allen? And uh, who you got winning the, the game on Sunday? Give me the man that says that as long as I'm playing quarterback, I love this the quote window's too. always in. The That's window's a great always quote. open. Give me Joe Burrow, man. Give me Joe Burrow. I, I listen. I love that kid. I love that kid. There's nothing about Joe Burrow that I don't like. I, I mean, he has the 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 right amount of swagger. He has the right amount of cockiness and arrogance, but he's not like overly arrogant. You know what I'm saying? His teammates love him. He's a great guy. He's a great interview. He's he's always there to speak to the reporters. So I, I I love Joe Burrow. I think, honestly, I I I have the Bengals winning that game. I really do. Uh, I, you know the Bills, the Bills have looked very shaky over the last five or six weeks. Um, you know, let's th- let's talk about last week. Yeah, oh. back up to the backup to the backup quarterback, Skylar Thompson plays plays decent. You know, sure. for for, for sure. whatever it was, you know, he had forty one uh, um, attempts, but. Listen, the kid played well, and to only lose that game by three, for the Bills to only win that game by three, that that's not a good way to go into, um, you know, a game against a, a, a red hot Bengals team. So, you know, I I am I am Bengals all the way, honestly. Bengals all the way, close. Yeah, yeah, I I have I have probably a similar score. You know, I got Bengals 28-24. 28-24, Okay. Yeah, I respect that. I respect that. Uh, our guy Ryan Flowers also a member of the grid. He says Hude. So I, I, I'm assuming he's rolled with uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals. Patrick Brown is also rolling with the Bengals. He says Bengals in an upset. They're a great team upon making second half adjustments. That that's that's what helped them. And Zach Taylor, we were talking about Mike McCarthy getting a lot of credit. Zach Taylor's done a solid job. Uh, he's earned my respect a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the job he did against uh, Mike Vrabel last year in the playoffs, Andy Reid, and then you know went tooth, tooth, tooth for nail back and forth with uh, 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 Sean McVay in the Super Bowl. So right. he's a solid job. The thing I say about Zach Taylor, he rarely makes that one coaching decision where you say, what the heck are you doing? Yeah. Where a lot of coaches do it. Heck, Andy Reid does from time to time. But so uh, I like what he's done. Like, you know, he's one of those coaches that has really – with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Learned on the fly to be good. He's taken his bumps. Um, but every year, I think he's gotten a lot better, a lot more confident, a lot more um, just savvy in regards to how he goes about his business. So, you know, definitely respect the Zach Taylor and the coaching staff over there. Absolutely. And Ryan says, Allen going to do something stupid in the end. He's been very careless with the football. Third, I, uh, I saw the stat today, 32 fumbles slash interceptions by Josh Allen this season. He's a, a gunslinger, man. He's go, he'll, he'll, he'll throw you into it, but he'll also throw you out of it. So, That's it. You know, we'll see. Now, a game we sort of referenced earlier, the Giants-Eagles is so fascinating to me. Because you got the Giants coming in red hot, and I understand Daniel Jones played the way he did against one of the worst defenses in the NFL, Minnesota, who just fired their DC yesterday. Yeah. 
But we talked about Buffalo hasn't played well the last few weeks. The very same thing can be said about the Philadelphia Eagles. I get they didn't have Jalen against the Cowboys and against the Saints, but they struggled against the team with the number one pick, Bears. Jalen didn't play well in that game even before the shoulder injury. Against the Giants' JV team, Jalen was bad. That The team came out kind of lifeless, and they won the game by six points as like a 14-point favorite. I don't know, Barry. This is a team – I mean, we've seen with number one seeds the last few years – it's almost been a little bit of a disadvantage where rust, as opposed to rest, uh, rest has, has seemed to come into play. Uh, Giants in an upset? Listen, man, that, that spread to me is crazy. Mm. And if I'm anybody, I don't take that. I, I don't touch that at all. Um, yeah, I really, I'm smelling some upset here. I think these Giants, man, they're tough. They're savvy. Brian Dable is a pit bull when it comes to just getting his team ready to play. Um, And I think, I think they're going to punch Philly in the mouth. I really do. I think they're going to go up there. They're going to punch them in the mouth real early and they're going to be on their heels and we're going to see how they respond. This giants team, you know, they've, they've been, you know, you've said it, that they're, they're early, like, right. You know, they're, they're, they're curve. They're, they're early on their curve. So, um, they're playing with house money at this point. They're like, listen, we don't have anything to lose. There's no big reputation on us. We're not the number one seed. We're not home. We're coming in there with all the doubt that you guys have, all the pundits that want to pick the Eagles and want to say that Jalen Hurts is the MVP and, and the Eagles look so great. They're going to come in there and say, okay, watch this. Watch this and see. So I I, I am not going to – I'm not going to pick the Eagles this game. I Honestly, I think I got the Giants, honestly. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so you're going all in. Yeah, I got I got if if in a perfect world, Giants, Cowboys, NFC Championship. And Dallas would have the home field advantage despite being a wild card team. I don't know if that's ever happened in NFL Man, history. That, listen, that would turn the sports world on its ear. <laughs> if you see Giants and Cowboys in the NFC championship, listen, you know I live in New York. It's gonna yeah. be war out here. So oh. you know, it's gonna be crazy. Hundred percent, hundred percent. A few comments here. Uh, Patrick says, uh, Josh Allen's picks will hurt the Bills late in the game. Uh, I, I think that will definitely be an issue. He also says, Philly is limping into the, the divisional round. Giants will be ready to play. Kayvon Thibodeau will have a masterful game. Daniel Jones will have to be even better. Uh, yeah, and like you said, Brian Dable getting the team ready to go. And again, I've been saying this all year. Giants have a crazy underrated defense. Uh, and once Kayvon Thibodeau, I promise you, next year those sack numbers are going to start to go up because his his pressures, getting the quarterback, he's been outstanding this year. Um, well, so stops being a knucklehead, then I could buy into him. What like a, like with like with the celebration with Nick Foles? Yeah, yeah, yeah that was that was and, and him and him doubling down on it. Bad move. Yeah, kind of like your guy Mac Jones sliding at people, right? And Tom Brady as well. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that, that's it. All right, Barry. Uh, have you have you read the Stephen A. book by the way that he just came I, out? I with? have not. I have not. But I heard it's a good read. Get that book. It's phenomenal. Yeah. It's absolutely outstanding. Uh, Barry Grant Jr., I'll even podcast. I'll send him a DAC hat soon. I'll send him along with the Stephen A. book uh, as soon as I can. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show once again, Barry. All right. Later, man. That was Barry Grant Jr., I'll even podcast. Always a great guest to have on the show. Please check his show out Saturdays. Well, he de- he, he records the show normally on Fridays, sometimes on Saturday, and the episode usually airs sometime around the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, occasionally Monday. Uh, but he's got some good stuff. Be sure to go check it out. And definitely check out, I forgot to bring this up to Barry, but the Carlos Correa rant was the stuff of legend. Please go check that out. He's a huge Mets fan. Okay, so again, 
This, to me, is the best weekend of the NFL season, and therefore, because the NFL is the king of television, is the king of sports in America as a whole, very well could be the best weekend in sports. I would argue Super Bowl weekend's better. You got the buildup. You got all the Hall of Famers that travel to the city, and you've got uh, the Man of the Year gets presented, and all the MVP and stuff. And then he, you know you lead up to the game. You got the the halftime show with Rihanna this year. I think she's going to do a great job. The uh, the pleasantries for the game, the national anthem, and the coin toss, the commercials. Not to mention you get a, a phenomenal game. And you know over the past decade, 10, 15 years, we've gotten some great Super Bowls. There haven't been that many duds. Uh, Tampa Bay blowing out Kansas City was a little anticlimactic, uh, considering the fact that it was Brady versus Mahomes, and yet the game wasn't even a contest because Tampa's defense was just out of this world. Um, gosh, the year before that, uh, or a couple years before that, you had the the Patriots Rams game that was, unless you're a defensive player, the game sucked. It was three to three going in the fourth quarter. Brady led a couple of drives. They won thirteen to three. It was awful. I hated every second of it. Uh. Oh, okay. Patrick says Eli Manning will be making an appearance in Philly. That should be very interesting. Wow. Okay. That's you want to talk about enemy territory. Yeah. I, I, Eli Manning. Before I get my predictions, real quick, let me just tell this quick story. I heard Eli Manning say once that his like ultimate welcome to the NFL moment, or like a culture shock moment, if you will, was when he played his first game at Philly because he came out in the field for the first time for pregame warmups. And there are six-year-olds, in Eli's words, giving him the bird. It's like, what? <laughs> this, this is crazy. If Philly, Boston, uh, I don't think New York's intense. Make no mistake about it. New York's intense. I don't think it's as uh, rough on road players as Boston and Philadelphia are. But, yeah, he was like, oh, dang, this is, this, this is what it's like. This is what the NFL is. Okay. Yeah, that should be interesting. I, I Listen, uh, I like Eli, man. I'm not as big of an Eli fan as a Peyton fan because I'm a Tennessee fan, and Peyton's the greatest quarterback, obviously, in, in Tennessee Vols history. But uh, respect to Eli, two-time Super Bowl champion. Got And put that man in the Hall of Fame. Let's stop arguing about it. Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer. Can't tell the story of the NFL without him. That man beat Brady not once but twice and won Super Bowl MVP twice. Let's, let's, let's stop this discussion. He's a Hall of Famer. He's not, he's not an all-time great, but he's a Hall of Famer. All right. Four games. By Sunday at 10 o'clock, 10.30-ish Eastern Time, 7, 7.30 if you're on the West Coast, the conference championship games will be set. Eight teams still have hopes and aspirations and goals to hoist the Lombardi Trophy. Four will have that go up in smoke. Four will live to play another day next Sunday in the conference championship games. So let's get the background music going right now. Here we go. All right, so in Kansas City with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm looking at this one. This is funny. So Jacksonville in this game is a nine-point underdog in Kansas City for the Chiefs. Obviously, get the first round by getting a you know that they call the Arrowhead Invitational uh, every year because you know the last four years. Patrick Mahomes still has yet to play a road playoff game, which is crazy. Talks about, tells you how dominant he's been since he became the starter of the Kansas City Chiefs. Andy Reid, by all metrics, is the greatest coach in NFL history coming off of a bye week. He's 28-4. and Go back to his days in Philly and the last 10 years now, 
as the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. This is what he does. He wins off a bye. His team's prepared coming off of a bye for Jacksonville, though. Coming off that monster comeback against the Chiefs' rival, Los Angeles Chargers, 31-30 after being down at 1.27-0. Trevor Lawrence played a masterful second half. He was accurate. He was composed. He was poised in that drive to win on the walk-off field goal. Great play calling by Doug Peterson to help get them down there. Jacksonville, similar to the Giants, what Barry was saying, it seems to be a little bit ahead of schedule. Worst team in the league the last two years to now winning their division, winning a playoff game, and going to Kansas City. For Jacksonville, everything that could have went wrong offensively kind of did for them. They recovered an onside kick to start the game. Doug Peterson went aggressive. That's what he does. He wrote a book called Fearless once, and he is fearless. Tried the onside kick, got it. Midfield, Chargers come up with nothing. The Chiefs turned the ball over three times in that game. And the Chargers, I'm sorry, the Jaguars, points off turnovers, seven. They only got seven points off of three Chiefs turnovers, yet they only lost the game by nine. Again, the Chargers, or the just keep saying the Chargers. The Jaguars were a team this year, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure I'm correct on this, did not lose a single game this year by double digits. They played teams close. Problem, though, for Kansas City. Mahomes coming off a bye. All the playmakers they get back. And for the Chiefs, the key in this game, get to Trevor Lawrence. The Chiefs are top three in the NFL in sacks. But Jacksonville has quietly one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Kansas City's back end, though, is the real problem. As I said this year when I did my playoff weaknesses, the weakness for Kansas City is their secondary, the back end of their defense. They struggle big time against the best of the best quarterbacks. Talking Burrow, Allen, uh, and guys like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert. Like, they struggle against those guys. When I'm looking at this, teams that come off of great comebacks tend to get their teeth kicked in the following week. You think about the 10 years ago, Andy Reid blew a 28-point lead to the Indianapolis Colts. What happened to the Colts? They went on the road to a rested New England Patriots team and got thumped. You think about... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, a few years ago when uh, Minnesota made that crazy Minneapolis miracle, the play of plays, the greatest play in the history of the Minnesota Vikings, they went to Philly and got thumped. Most of the time, teams that make great playoff comebacks get blown out. I do not think that will be the case, but I do have the Kansas City Chiefs winning this game and covering the nine-point spread by a final score of 34-23 to over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Look, Jacksonville, by all accounts, have had a great year. They are playing with house money. The pressure is on Kansas City being the number one seed and Patrick Mahomes being the league MVP this year. We all assume that's going to be the case. But I... I do think the pressure's on Kansas City. Jacksonville to win this game is going to have to get out to a hot start. If they play anything near what they played in that first half against the Chargers, they're screwed. And even if they play anything like they did in the second half, simply put, Kansas City just has better players. So that's why I think they will win the game at home. Patrick Mahomes, 
has never lost a game in the divisional round. He does not know the postseason without the AFC Championship game. I think the Chiefs will come out with the win and cover the nine-point spread 34-23 over the Jacksonville Jaguars and advance to their fifth consecutive AFC title game. Patrick Brown in the comments, he says, Chiefs versus Jags will be closer than what some are predicting. Give me 31-25 in favor of Kansas City. Wouldn't be surprised if it's close heading into the fourth quarter. I could see that very well. And I, I kind of went back and forth on whether Kansas City would cover. I decided yes, just because Andy Reid has been so dominant uh, coming off of Bison. Patrick Mahomes, for that matter. Moving on to my upset of the week. Give me the New York football Giants to beat the Philadelphia Eagles, the one-seed Eagles, by a final score of 23-20. And here is why. Philly coming into this game minus 7.5. I am so much in agreement with Barry. That line is nuts, in my opinion. Philly comes in. Over the last month, sure, you could call them the regular season champions. They were, after all, the last undefeated team left in the postseason. That is up until they, of course, lost to the Washington Commanders. But ever since they dominated the New York Giants, I mean, beat them badly, 48-22 in the Meadowlands, they beat the Chicago Bears, who, mind you, had the number one pick in the draft. They had Jalen Hurts in this game, by the way, by five. The game was in serious doubt with five minutes to go until the Eagles put together together a drive to bleed out the clock. But the Bears almost got Philly. The following week, Gardner Minshew. They scored 34. They got a pick six. Gardner Minshew was fine. They gave up 40 points. Now, a lot of that had to do with Dak Prescott doing what Dak Prescott tends to do in big games. But be that as it may, they lost. Okay, no big deal. You lost to a good Dallas team on the road. It happens. You have your backup quarterback. But you got to take care of business. You're at home against the New Orleans Saints with Andy Dalton in an offense that can't really get a first down, if you think about it. Yeah, they scored 10 points in that game and lost by double digits. So you get Jalen Hurts back. You're like, okay, Gardner played bad against the Saints. You get Jalen back. All's going to be fine and good, especially considering the fact that these same New York Giants rested all their starters. It was not Daniel Jones. It was Davis Webb. It wasn't some of those starters on defense. It was the backups. It was essentially the JV team for the Giants. And that game was in doubt going into the fourth quarter. Davis Webb, look at his fourth quarter numbers. Carved up, to use the name of this show, carved up the Eagles in the fourth quarter with a couple of drives there. Philly was a 14-point favorite in this game, won by six. They needed to recover an onside kick at the end. The Giants come in hot. Saquon Barkley's playing great. Daniel Jones will not play as well in this game as he did last week because Philly obviously has a way better defense than Minnesota does. What Daniel Jones needs to do, play clean football, the Giants defense, do what you did with the backups against Philly. Think about this too. The last two years, the last undefeated team left lost their first playoff game. Pittsburgh started 11-0, and they got blown out by the Cleveland Browns in a home playoff game. A year ago, the Arizona Cardinals started 8-0, just like these same Philadelphia Eagles. And they lost their first playoff game by a million points against the eventual Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. 34-11 was the final score of that game. I remember it. Last team left was Philadelphia. And something else, too. Remember Baltimore? One seed going to the playoffs. Got beat. You think about last year. Both. Not one. Two number one seeds last year. The Packers and the Titans both lost their first playoff game. Did not even get 
to the conference title games. This has tended to be the case over the last few years. With that said, Giants upset Philly. Philly has no momentum. And that buy has tended to be more of an Achilles heel than it has been a benefit for teams in recent years. And for a team in Philadelphia that has not won a playoff game in four years, and a team of the Giants feeling good about themselves, New York football Giants 23-20 over the Philadelphia Eagles. Don't just take the Giants cover, folks. Take them to win this baby outright. Giants never thought in a million years I'd have been saying this before the season. Advance to the NFC Championship game. A few comments here. Patrick Brown, Eagles have struggled to stop the run. Saquon will run wild, and Daniel Jones' legs will be the difference. As long as he doesn't have to turn the ball over, I'm taking Giants. Wow, 24 to 16. A pretty a one-score game, but pretty comfortable. That'd be insane. He says, cry, Eagles, cry. Ha- hashtag cry, Eagles, cry. Yes, I am no longer a Cowboys fan, but that doesn't mean I don't enjoy uh, an Eagles fan in complete misery. It- it's nothing to me like a Cleveland fan being in complete misery, but Philadelphia is like second place. It's, it's right there. That along with Yankees fans. On to the next one. Bryson's Bleak Bet. One game every week that I have absolutely no confidence in predicting, but hey, we got to predict them all. That's how it goes. This was a tough one. Cincinnati Bengals going to Buffalo to take on the Bills. Bills in this game are favored minus five and a half. So both quarterbacks come into this game. Two of the best three in the NFL in my mind. And Joe Burrow, who to me is two, and at Josh Allen, who's number three. Both have major questions coming into this one. For Joe Burrow and the Bengals, the offensive line is an absolute shambles. Alex Kappa, out. Lyle Collins, out. And you get the left tackle, Jonah Williams, out. Lyle Collins dumped the year he tore his Achilles. But Alex Kappa and and, and uh, Jonah Williams, both out for this game. They've already been ruled out today. And the game's not going to be played until Sunday. They're not even a game-time decision in, a, obviously, a do-or-die playoff game on the road. That's Joe Burrow's problem. Josh Allen's problem is, dude has been really careless with the football not just this season, but really in the last couple of weeks. Think about last week against the Miami Dolphins, who don't have a great defense. Not a bad one, but kind of middle of the pack. Two interceptions, a fumble that could have been devastating for Buffalo. You think about weeks back against the Minnesota Vikings. Remember this game? Minnesota looked like they've got the the, the game won. Buffalo stops them. Bills are going to win. And Josh Allen, with 40 seconds left, with the lead, fumbles at his own one-yard line. Minnesota scores a touchdown, and then in overtime, Josh Allen throws the pick to end the game. The turnovers he's had this year, I'll give the stat again, 32 fumbles and interceptions this season. That's bad. The only two quarterbacks in the same vicinity is an old Matt Ryan and a young kid, Justin Fields. That's something to think about for Josh Allen. Bill's defense hasn't been quite as good as it was when they had Von Miller. That's to be expected. He is, after all, a Super Bowl MVP, a future Hall of Famer, and a two-time Super Bowl champion. But this defense has all the personnel. They do have a guy in Tredavious White who's one of the best corners in the NFL. They've got a guy in, uh, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting his name, um, number 49, the linebacker. Uh, 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 his, his name's not come to my mind right now. You guys know who I'm talking about. Cannot believe Tremaine, Tremaine Edmonds. That's who it is. Tremaine Edmonds, who's playing outstanding football for the Bills this season, is going to be a free agent this season, uh, this offseason. Bills going to have to pay him a lot of money, otherwise somebody else will. And Oliver in the middle has been great. For Cincinnati, a defense that is very uh, 
you know, prone to taking the ball away, as we saw last week. Probably the best defensive player of wildcard weekend was the forced fumble. Sam Hubbard taking that baby 98 yards to the house, getting oxygen on the sideline because he was so tired. But this is an opportunistic defense. Here's what decided it. I've been thinking about this game all week more than any of the others. Here's what decided it for me. Both quarterbacks' biggest problem, Joe Burrow's offensive line, Josh Allen's turnovers. One of those problems is in the quarterback's control. The other isn't. Joe Burrow has to get the ball of his hands quickly now. What the offensive line injuries for Cincinnati means for Buffalo. Obviously pressure on Burrow, but not only that, they can get pressure without blitzing and, and, Bengals can't push the ball down the field. Burrow won't have enough time. How many big plays down the field did they really get in the postseason last year? Rams, they got the big play to T. Higgins, but folks, that was offensive pass interference all day and every day. Didn't get any big plays down the field for the most part against the Chiefs. Definitely didn't get Tennessee when Joe Burrow was sacked all of nine times, which is tied for a playoff record. The one issue with the Bengals that plagued them last year, I thought they'd solved it, and they did. Now their offensive line is falling apart. The path deep passing game is going to be no bueno. I think Josh Allen will turn the ball over not, not once, but twice. But Joe Burrow will be on his butt a lot on Sunday afternoon. If Cincinnati were healthy, I swear to y'all I'd take the Bengals. But I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills to win this game. 28-21 to 21 over Cincinnati. I, I'm, I'm going with the Bills. I don't feel all that confident in it. That is why it's Bryce's bleak bet. And I think they'll cover the spread, by the way. That says Bengals minus 5.5. It actually, it's actually Bills minus 5.5. Apologize for that little error. I'll, I'll fix that. But it's Bills minus 5.5. That's how it's going to be. Patrick Brown, Joe Mixon will be the difference maker. Keep Burrow out of harm's way. Chase will be on the case this week against the Bills secondary. Higgins and Boyd will have solid outings. Hooday, 34-29. to 29. I respect that. I, the, the only thing about that, Patrick, is keep Burrow out of harm's way. I don't think they'll be able to. I, I don't think the offensive line has the personnel to be able to, to keep him out of harm's way. Again, if Cincinnati's healthy, I'm picking Cincinnati, but also another component for this game what I'm reading, it looks like DeMar Hamlin's going to be in the building. Like, by all, he's been in the facility all week. Obviously, it's been the the best news possible, considering what happened three weeks ago in Cincinnati, when this game was obviously uh, canceled uh, halfway through the first quarter. DeMar Hamlin's going to be in the building. By all accounts, it looks like that's going to be the case. In Buffalo, that place is going to be rocking. This is the Bills' biggest game, I would argue, since Jim Kelly was the quarterback. And the pressure's on the Bills, by the way, due to the fact that Cincinnati is beat up. I'll take the Bills. 28-21 over the Cincinnati Bengals. It's now time for my favorite segment of every week. Who are a betting man? If I were a betting man, I'm looking at this last game that's probably going to get the biggest rating of any of the playoff games. The Dallas Cowboys going to Santa Clara, California to take on, to me, the best team in football, the San Francisco 49ers in this game. San Francisco is a four-point favorite, which when I saw this line, I was like, hang on a minute. You mean to tell me that San Francisco, who's won 11 straight games, with a quarterback in sturdy Brock Purdy, who's playing out of his mind as a play. The personnel that they have, which I'll get to in just a second, you mean to tell me at home they're only four-point favorites when you get three points automatically just for being at home? That is very, very fascinating to me. Vegas knows something that we don't, obviously. 
for Dallas. They're coming off of a win, a blowout win, just this past Monday against Tampa. Dak Prescott playing the biggest game of his career. Rain Dakota Prescott, you know his name. Say it loud, say it proud with me. But Dallas's defense played its best game in weeks. Micah Parsons played his best game in months. What do you have, like nine pressures on Tom Brady? Here's the difference, though. Tom Brady, for as well as he moves in the pocket, and I've always said that about him, he's not mobile. Brock Purdy is. This is a Niners offensive line. It's much better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And here's what I'm looking at for this game. And I told, I was talking to Barry about this earlier, but let me really break this thing down for you in the best way that I can. San Francisco 49ers had the advantage at running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, defensive line, linebacking core, secondary kicker, and coach. The only advantage Dallas has in the game, position-wise, is quarterback. Literally, San Francisco, I saw this stat earlier today, and I saved it to my phone. San Francisco is the only team in the NFL that has an all-pro in every position group. Okay? Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, Bufunga. You guys know I really like that kid. He's a heck of a safety. Trent Williams, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, all were all pros this season. They have the advantage everywhere except for quarterback. Here's what I'm looking at. Niners are playing a Cowboys team. This is the best team that they've faced since they got blown out by Kansas City way back in October. And obviously, Jimmy G was the quarterback back then. Brock Purdy's bought a or brought a, a style of play that Jimmy G simply could not bring due to his mobility and his arm strength. Dallas obviously lost to the same Niners team 23-17 in the wildcard game just one year ago. One year and four days ago, to be exact. For Dallas, for Mike McCarthy, for Dak Prescott, this is a legacy game. Last week was a avoid the criticism game. This week's a legacy game. You are the underdog. You are not supposed to win. They are better than you. Everywhere except quarterback, that is. This feels like a game that's a little bit of a defensive battle. San Francisco is the best in the league. Dallas has a, a, a defense that's really hot. J. Ron Curse is hurt, by the way. He's questionable. Dallas really needs him on Sunday. I anticipate Micah Parsons being a difference maker. Leighton Vanderish being the same. Dallas is number one in the NFL in takeaways over the last few weeks. Trayvon Diggs, as long as I don't have to be singing the gambler like Kenny Rogers on Monday, I think we'll be fine by all accounts. This baby comes down the wire. It's close. If I were a bet man, take the Cowboys plus four. And to win outright. 27 to 23 over the San Francisco 49ers. I'm not saying that, as you can tell, with a ton of conviction in my voice. I'm not. I'm, I'm more confident in this pick than my Bengals-Bills pick. This is an opportunity with the whole world watching. Dak Prescott to do something that even I didn't think was possible. Not just make the NFC Championship game, but to cement himself for the time being as a top five quarterback in the National Football League. Here's why he can do that. The top three is inarguable. It's 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 Mahomes, Burrow, Allen. Uh, to me, it's in that order. Arrange those however you want as long as Patrick Mahomes is at the top because he's clearly the man. It's Mahomes' world wall, just living in it. To me, to me, Justin Herbert's in that fourth spot. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not Justin Herbert. Trevor Lawrence is in that fourth spot with the job that he's done with this Jaguars team that sucked the last two years. That comeback, 
being arguably the best quarterback in the league since week nine. So that's week nine was in like mid, excuse me, early uh, uh, November. Uh, it's mid-January now, and he's still putting up the numbers that he put up back in November. To me, that five spots up for grabs. Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert. Well, here's the problem. Justin Herbert's out of the playoffs, and I love him. I love Justin Herbert. I need him to win a playoff game first before I put him in the top five. Lamar Jackson, love him. I said earlier this season that he was a top five quarterback, but his issue is he hasn't been healthy the last two years. Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott. Dak's won two playoff games. Jalen, goose egg. He has an opportunity to do it on Saturday, tomorrow. I, I don't think he will, though. I got the Giants in my upset of the week. You tell me. Do you want an old Aaron Rodgers over Dak Prescott? Do you? Aaron Rodgers is not a 300-yard passing game since Christmas of last year. Not last year as in 2022. 2021. Tom Brady, love him, greatest ever. Still that he's top 10. He is 45 years old, going on 46, and left a lot to be desired this season as the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You tell me who else. Uh, who else in the NFL is threatening? That five spot. Other than Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts. If Dak goes into San Francisco against the best team in the NFL, I've been saying that since before the season. I've been saying this Niners roster, top to bottom, not to mention they've got a top five coach in Kyle Shanahan. They're great literally everywhere. They literally don't have a weakness. As a matter of fact, when I did my playoff weaknesses, I said, you know what the Niners weakness is? A rookie quarterback's never made it to the Super Bowl. It's never happened. That's the only thing. History is their weakness. Not their roster. Not their experience. Not their coaching. Dak goes into Santa Clara, California at Levi's Stadium and beats the best team in the NFL to get the Cowboys to the NFC title game for the first time since William Jefferson Clinton was president. You tell me five that are better than him. Mahomes, Allen Burrow, no doubt. Trevor Lawrence to me, no doubt. You tell me who else. Who else are you taking? Cowboys haven't been. This is this is literally equivalent of Washington getting to the NFC Championship game. Detroit getting to the NFC Championship game. Houston getting to the AFC Championship game. You don't believe me? Well, let's look at some history here real quick. I wish I had a graphic for this. Here are the teams since Dallas last made it to the NFC Championship game. Here's the teams that have made it to their conference title games since. Okay? Bills. Patriots, Jets, Bengals, Ravens, Steelers, Jaguars, Titans, Colts, Chiefs, Vegas, although Oakland rather, the Raiders, Denver, Philadelphia, New York, Minnesota, Green Bay, Chicago, Tampa Bay, Carolina, New Orleans, Atlanta, San Francisco, Seattle, LA Rams, Arizona Cardinals. Miami hasn't gone, Washington hasn't gone, Detroit hasn't gone, Houston hasn't gone. I don't think the Chargers have gone, if I'm not mistaken. That's the class Dallas is in. If Dak leaves him to the NFC title game like that, you may want to tune into Monday's show. It's going to be it's going to be something else. I'm just telling you right now. John Rivera, he's got his picks in. Philly, Kansas City, Cincy, Dallas. Okay, we agree on two of those. I've got Kansas City and Dallas, but he's got Philly and Cincinnati. 
Uh, Pastor Brown, who is, as I'm sure you can tell in the comments, is a huge, and by his appearances on the show, of course, is a huge Cowboys fan. He says this, and he's got dot, dot, dots after every word. This will be a nerve-wracking game. As the late Heath Ledger said in the dark night, here we go. It's one of my favorite lines in, in, in history of Cinema. Rest in peace, Heath Ledger. Uh, Patrick says, if my Cowboys win Sunday, we have a legit chance to beat whoever wins Giants at Eagles. Absolutely. I, to me, to me, Patrick, and to all of those watching and listening, this is the Cowboys' toughest game. Even if, let's just let's just say for the sake of argument, they got to the Super Bowl. I don't think Kansas City, Cincinnati, or Buffalo, the, the teams that we could legitimately see getting to the Super Bowl out of the AFC, with all due respect to Jacksonville, they're not quite there yet. Out of those three teams, I don't think they're better than San Francisco. Better quarterback, sure. Better in certain units, maybe. In some cases, better at coach. Yeah, I'll take Andy Reid over Kyle Shanahan. Heck, I just saw it a few years ago in the Super Bowl. Andy Reid beat Kyle Shanahan. They're not better top to bottom than that team. And I think Dak Prescott, he'll never shut up the doubters. I've I've, I've given that up. If he wins 15 Super Bowls, he's never going to shut up the doubters. But, oh, they will be quiet. If Dak leads him to a win. On Sunday night. As for last thoughts before we get out of here, that Giants-Eagles game, something interesting. So you heard me saying yesterday's show and today's show. Six of the eight teams, to me, I could see winning the Super Bowl. Giants-Jaguars are the teams I couldn't. But, and you say, well, why are you picking them to beat Philadelphia? A, the matchup. B, how Philadelphia is playing over the last month. C, there's always one team. There always is one team every year that's in the NFC or AFC Championship games that were like, How'd they get there? You're like, this This doesn't make sense. How in God's name did the Bengals get to the AFC title game last year? How did the Buccaneers get there the year before that? How did the Titans get there the year before that? 2018, the one and two seeds got to the game, so we're going to take that out. 2017, how did the Jaguars get to the AFC championship game? How'd the Packers get to the NFC championship game in 20? There's always one team where like, yeah, they can't win the Super Bowl, but... I mean, they, they're in the Final Four. It's kind of, I mean, March Madness, there's always one team in the Final Four where, like, they probably wanted some buzzer beaters. They wanted some upsets. Like, we're a little surprised they're here. They're a little, they're kind of the imposter at the party. But that's what I think is going to happen the New York Giants. So go back over my picks. Chiefs beat Jacksonville 34-23. Giants upset Philly 23-20. A little error in this graphic. It says Bengals minus five, five and a half. It should say Bills minus five and a half. I'll correct that. Bills beat the Bengals 28-21. And finally, Cowboys upset the Niners 27-23. It is going to be an incredible weekend of divisional games coming up. And with that, that is all the time we have for today's show. appreciate everybody stopping by, as always. Be sure to catch Carving It Up Live. It's going to be a great show. I can just tell you that right now. Given the games that we've got, it's going to be a great show. Monday. 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And, and, be sure to subscribe to the Grid Podcast Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Network on YouTube. That is where you can find my show as well. You can find Patrick Brown. You saw him in the comments. You can find his show, the Chaotic Sports Podcast. Barry Grant Jr., thanks to Barry. For joining the show today. You can find the All Even Podcast there as well. Ryan Flowers saw him in the chat earlier as well. You can find Clutch Sports Talk on the grid. 
You can find the Rocket Fuel Jets podcast with my man Alfred Parsar Jr. on the grid. And you can find the Cowboys Camp In podcast on the grid network. We got some great content, and that is well, so you can listen to my show and all of those other shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcast. I am, I can't even tell you how excited I am for this weekend. For all four games, even Jags Chiefs is at least interesting. And the, the three following it are phenomenal. Cannot wait. Divisional weekend. The best weekend of the NFL playoffs. Hope everybody has a great weekend, a great divisional weekend. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical and your mental health. God bless you all. Peace out. Here we go. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Picture yourself wrapped in its softness. Whether you're enjoying a captivating TV show, gathered around a crackling campfire, or cheering for your favorite football team, Minky understands your fall cravings. Our blankets are tailor-made for those heartwarming autumn vibes. With a variety of colors, they're perfect for complementing the hues of fall, as well as showing off your team pride with their vibrant team colors. And the best part? We've got sizes for the whole family, ensuring that everyone can experience the joy of cozying up in Minky's embrace. This fall, let Minky be your companion in creating unforgettable moments. Wrap yourself in comfort, share love, and relish the essence of the season. Minky Blankets, where warmth meets love in every color for every moment. Fall into one of our Minky Couture stores or visit us online at minkycouture.com.